You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. And this Wednesday, April 12th, you're going to hear uh, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe coming up in just a moment. But I, I want to just touch on, uh, and you're going to hear this in the news today, this Governor McKee education plan. Folks, it's it's not an education plan. It's not an education plan. He's th- This is all like after-school activities. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't done anything to improve uh, education in, in any way. So that's just completely false. They can, they can pretend they are, but he hasn't, he hasn't introduced anything. He, listen, the number one part of what the governor is supposed to be doing is this Providence Teachers Union contract, of which, you know, he punted on it last time. And then he ended up not even getting their endorsement. They gave it to Nelly Gorbea. We know how that goes. The governor's obviously very, very vindictive. So, but this this business of the McKee education plan, he, he doesn't have a plan. It's going to match Massachusetts by 2030. That That's not happening. Absolutely not happening. So, and I'm not, I'm not convinced it is, you know, I'm not certainly not convinced it is going to happen. What we do know right now is you still have a governor who, unless something changes, he, he will not sit down with the Boston Globe who covers Rhode Island. He won't sit down. I, I don't think he's sitting down with the Providence Journal. McKee wants Rhode Island to adopt a 365-day learning strategy. Okay, but it's all after-school stuff. I'm not even against that, by the way. I think that's a, a step in the right direction. But a big part of this has to be, that's like the 20%. But a big part of this has to be, what is the 80%? The 80%. And that's the part that he's, it's almost like he's not even trying that he's almost like kind of given up. Now, I'll say this. Let's be fair. He is keeping Education Commissioner Infante Green. That's a positive because they certainly don't want her. The unions, they certainly would like to try to get rid of her. There's no question about that. So so that's a positive. But it still seems to be, this just seems to be a long way off from the governor who... You know, he was supposed to be the education governor. He was supposed to be the uh, the mayoral academies. He was so that that's who a lot of people thought. And I thought one of the best things that that Ashley Kalos, who challenged him, said was her line of Lieutenant a Mayor, a Mayor of Cumberland, McKee, and even Lieutenant Governor McKee would not recognize governor mckee in the way he folded to the special interest but this business of that it's it's a an education plan it's it's all after school type activities um the education formula is still not one that's geared towards success i think is the best way to describe it and and he can roll it out that it's some kind of a education plan it it certainly it doesn't seem to be that way um now a couple things folks people have to be really careful with this red flag warning dry air and it is very windy it's very warm out today so 
Um, so that is certainly something to watch with some of these brush fires. And I know there was a fire in North Smithfield. McKee marks 100th day of first full term focusing on improving education. Well, he's actually not, though. He's just kind of nibbling around at the edges a little bit. That's what it, it seems to be. Um, but I, uh, there, there's, there's a lot of things that could be improved. There's a lot of things that need to be improved. But certainly just have not seen it as of yet so the first 100 days the governor seems to be reeling from the public projects that are not happening and seems to just trying to be hold on to his job a little bit all right dan mcgowan of the boston globe is next right here on the john DePietro show get your driveway paved j Perry Paving. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot, J. Letter J, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730, online at jperrypaving.com, and look for them on Facebook. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. Joining us right now he is a columnist with the Boston Globe. It is our friend Dan McGowan. And Dan, a uh, great piece in the Boston Globe. I really like the premise of this. And it has to do with Mayor Smiley. And I like the way it's framed of, you know, a lot of what he wants to do. Maybe not some of the sexy stuff, but he is certainly, I, I'd, I'd give him high grades for his first 100 days in office. Um, and just yeah. showing you a long way. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he's a guy who who uh, this is kind of what he ran on, right? He he yep. said like we're gonna be very you know overly sexy and come out with all these big proposals. We're gonna get back to basics. We're gonna you know get law enforcement in order to some degree. We're gonna uh, you know plow the roads, fill the potholes, uh, you know, figure this thing out and. Uh, it, you know, it was the thing that he campaigned upon. It was the thing that I think voters put him into office to do. And so far, I think he's he's delivering on that on those promises. And, you know, it's such a stark difference from Mara Lorza, who, you know, at various times when I've talked about this over the years, sometimes you disagree with me, sometimes you agree. It's like it, it, it's not that I'm not in the camp of Mara Lorza was the worst mayor that's ever lived. Right. Some, some people are. There are things I thought he got right. 
But yeah. my my frustration with Mara Lorza was always he was he wanted everything everywhere all at once, right? Like the movie. He he was a guy who uh, had fifty different ideas. He moved really fast. He never kind of followed through on a lot of things. And Mayor Smiley's looking at this now and saying. Uh, you know, one, we need to cut back on a lot of the things that he did. You know, he's he's already war- he's up front warning that he's probably going to have to increase taxes, uh, which which will be kind of his first real test of adversity because he'll face pushback from residents. Uh, and he's saying, look, you know, there we had all this money, more than one hundred million dollars to spend you know, in federal money that went to a lot of. Uh, costs that are actually recurring that now now I have to pick up the tab for even after the money is spent uh, and you could tell you know he, he, he tries to be he tries to be a bit subtle with it he doesn't you know overly antagonize his predecessor but he's clear that he's pretty frustrated with some of the things that uh, you know, the issues that were left in his hands without very much notice and you could tell you know look they haven't talked since election day. Uh, you know, th- this mayor and the last mayor are, are not exactly on the best of terms, uh, you know, 100 days into Mayor Smiley's tenure. And I like how you map out he refers to him as his predecessor. And you also, Dan McGowan, point out that Mayor Lord said, you know, I remember, first of all, you're modest. You broke the story that uh, Smiley was pulling out, was going to back Mayor Lorza, that changed the race. And that really prevented, uh, uh, ultimately, Mayor Sancy, Buddy Sancy, from returning to office. But they they were allies. And yes. they worked together. And he was, like, vice mayor. And then he didn't even get the endorsement from Mayor Lorza in this past election. Yeah, th- there's long-running kind of... Um... Uh, I think animosity here in a lot of different ways. You know, the truth was you, you hit it on the head. Brett Smiley uh, probably did the single most important thing to get Mayor Lorza elected. And, you know, it was all again, like you said, an effort to stop Buddy Sancy. Then when they take office, and you're right, he was something of like a, you know, I think his title was COO, but he was essentially the deputy mayor. He was the number two guy. And what people started to realize and what people started to do is kind of go over the mayor's head. The city yes. council liked to negotiate with, with Mayor Smiley or with then just Brett Smiley. Uh, the state legislature kind of liked to deal with that. And I think, honestly, I think Mayor Lorza got a little bit jealous. And then Brett Smiley pretty quickly thereafter is out of there. He's going to be chief of staff for Gina Raimondo. He moves up the ranks there. Um, and I think that uh, th- there was always this... Uh, this challenge that Mayor Lorza had, whether it was at the state house, whether it was with just any other elected official, he just never built the relationships that you know Brett Smiley kind of continued to build uh, while he was in the governor's office. I think there was some jealousy there. And then last year, kind of in a way, uh, at a moment in time, you and I remember this, John, you know, Brett Smiley ends up winning pretty comfortably. But there was a point in the summer where it looked like Gonzalo Cuervo had a ton of momentum uh, yes. to be to be the mayor and then Jorge Alorza comes in endorses him uh and and I think a lot of people thought quite frankly I think Gonzalo Cuervo thought maybe this is going to put me over the top maybe I'm actually going to pull this thing off mm. uh didn't obviously didn't work out for him but uh Mayor, I, I think that endorsement almost gives Mayor Smiley kind of the license to say you know, I'm going to tell people like it is. I'm going to tell him that you know, tell you that he left a lot of things on my plate, a lot of you know unfunded uh, mandates that he wants me to spend. Uh, I think it, it it almost is a little bit of freedom, but you could tell. And you know, by the way, this is a long stretch now of mayors. You think about this. 
Obviously, Cicilline takes over for Cianci. They didn't like each other. Angel Tavares and Cicilline didn't like each other at all. No. Angel Tavares and, and Jorge Alorza for a long time didn't get That's along. That's right. And then now you, you've got a lot of this. I don't mm. think you're going to see a lot of Brett Smiley inviting Mara Lorza, maybe for his, you know, his portrait, things like that. But you're not going to see them, you know, dining at the Capitol Grill anytime soon. Kim McGowan, there's two things right now that the mayor of Providence, Mayor Brett Smiley, is, doesn't have to deal with. Not in time he won't, but two things right now when you map them out in your column is that $1.3 billion unfunded liability. And at some point, the schools are going to come back under under the, you know, the, the city is going to take over the schools again. Yeah, and this is, this is where Mayor Smiley you know, kind of understands the real work is ahead. Right. The pension issue. The thing about the pensions is that it is true that right now the city can afford to pay its pensioners every single month. Like that is not actually a challenge. The challenge is, is that every year those those expenses go up and up and up and they're expected to go up a lot during Mayor Smiley's uh, term. And he has no choice right now. There's no there's nothing he can do under current law or, or you know, a, a current ordinances in the city that change the trajectory of, you know, having to pay retirees, you know, upwards. By the time he, if he were to do two terms, the city would be shelling out like 130, $140 million a year. Wow. For, and they're currently right around 100. So that's a big, big difference over the next eight years. Um, and so he's got to figure that out. He I don't got it. I don't have a solution yet, right? We, we're we're just not there yet on, on figuring this out. And then, of course, the other big thing is you've got the schools. Uh, you know, he says he thinks it's going to take a year at least to plan the transition back. So he's not uh, clamoring to have you know the schools back under his control. But I do think he's. You could tell from you know we talked yesterday. Um, he is definitely frustrated with how the takeover has you know played out, and particularly I think. Uh, you know, over the last, let's say, year or so that you just have seen no movement whatsoever from the governor or the education commissioner. And Dan McGowan, the, if I'm correct, this is April and the, the contract's up in June. Then That's happens? right. That's right. And I reached out, I'll tell you, it's funny. I reached out to the Providence, somebody in the Providence Teachers Union uh, just this week. And they said they have barely had any meetings about the contract. Wow. Um, and so, you know, that that tells you a lot about what's going on now. Do I expect the Providence Teachers Union to be, you know, to fall in line and, and, and approve a new contract? Of course I don't. But it does tell you that, uh, you know, they're, they barely have negotiations underway. Uh, and you're right. The contract's over, I believe. It's either June 30th or July 31st. It's one of the two. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan, Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food and drink. Always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area. There's normally a game on and a nice group of people there or you could sit out in the dining room don't forget the nice weather they have the deck open the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln delicious food and drinks awaiting for you i'll see you at the lodge we're speaking with dan mcgowan of the boston globe dan boy it is um incredible with the cd1 race i did see valley breeze kind of as i expected my former colleague, Arlene Violet, is now not running. 
But it's kind of, you know, you get your name out there. You hear from some people you haven't heard. But Mark Patinkin wrote a nice piece about it in the Promise Journal. And then that's enough. I don't think I'm, <laughs> I'm going to write it. It's almost like to me, and nothing against age, but someone that sometimes they're older, the, they'll just go out to lunch and they say, that was enough. It was just enough to get out of the house. But what do you make of, um, I, does this make, does this make Aaron Rogenberg the the front runner? And what about this latest that Marvin Abney now is jumping into the race? Yeah, let, take it in reverse order because I think this Marvin Abney decision to jump in the race is interesting. Marvin Abney is by no means a household name, but no. you know we're talking about an African American guy from Aquidneck yep. Island. Right now, there are no other candidates down there. You know, from that neck of the woods. Uh, he's a veteran, right? He's, so he's got a bit of a story to tell. Uh, an incre- I don't know how much you know him, John. He's an incredibly decent man, right? He's a, just yes. a good, nice guy. Uh, how does that translate as a candidate? It's tough, right? You this this is kind of a ruthless game. You can't just you know get there and being a nice guy, and so that can be really hard. Although I do think there's a place in this race for him. Uh, remember, when you're also when you're the House Finance Committee chairman, you've got a lot of power, uh, and so right now people have to donate to him. I think you won't see uh, a lot of big. Uh, endorsements so certainly not certainly not any of the uh, you know, the, the the unions the AFL CIO or anything like that any of the public employee unions you're not going to see them you know rub the house finance chairman the wrong way right. uh, at least not before you know the end of the session so I think that I think it does change uh, the race a little bit I'll be interested to see what kind of team he can put around him remember it is just such a difference running from, you know, a relatively small area as a state representative to running for Congress, basically in half the state. So, you know, n- nobody's necessarily prepared, although, and this is something you and I have been talking about for a couple of weeks, moving on to Aaron Berg, uh, this is a, he is a guy who lives for this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I agree. I think Aaron Regenberg today certainly is in the top tier of candidates, but I think I'd put him probably right there as the favorite right out of the gate, raises a bunch of money. Uh, he's got, you know, he, he did the thing that he needed to do uh, in his announcement, which was surround himself with women, because there's a lot of momentum in the district, particularly among Democrats, to elect a, a female there. So he has to answer that question. Why should we send, you know, a relatively wealthy white kid to school or to, to Congress, you know, a bunch of women? this and he, you know the, the argument is he's got a bunch of the uh you know the the providence city council with uh female members behind him and the argument is he's the best choice and i'll tell you john i looked this up I, i've been mentioning this to you for a couple of weeks but i looked it up aaron regenberg when he ran against dan mckee uh for lieutenant governor he didn't win but on the east side of providence where all the votes are yeah uh, in, in this district he won 70 percent of wow. the votes on the east side of Providence against your current governor. Wow. Um, you know, that was in, in, in raw numbers, you know, talk about 5,000 votes there. If Aaron Regenberg can, can collect, you know, in that range, anywhere in that stratosphere of votes on the east side of Providence, that takes you a really long way in a district where, you know, again, it's a special election, low turnout. The reliable voters in this district are from the side of Providence, and he's got, I think, a stranglehold on those people. And that's why I say I think he's I, I think he probably starts here as the favorite. Speaking of the East side, Dan McGowan, late last week or the end of last week, one of my listeners, she lives over there and said she saw Aaron Ruggenberg late last week coming out of a hair salon on Hope Street 
And she said she knew he was going to run because apparently because he has a young child of the past year, he's been cutting his own hair at home. So she saw him <laughs> emerging from the hair salon. Whenever you interview them, I find that type of stuff a good antidote. This woman contacted me and said, he's running. I just saw him get his hair cut, and I know he's been cutting his own hair at home. David By the Cowan, way, what you... it, it, go ahead. I was just going to say, as, as <laughs> I'm laughing because, I, I, one, I believe it. And two, it is a great way to tell if these guys are, you know, are serious. You're cleaning yourself up a little bit. Maybe you're going to the tailor and getting a couple extra new suits. You know, this is what, these are the things that actually show that you're serious. Uh, Sometimes, you know, sitting around the table and saying, hey, maybe I'll run. And all your friends say, yeah, that's a great idea. Most of these candidates just do that. Uh, But the ones who are serious, yeah, they're the ones who go out, get a haircut, take a shower, and and buy a couple new suits. Now he's ready to roll in all the photos he looks at. Uh, Dan McCowan, what do you make of the uh, candidacy of the state representative, Stephen Casey? You know, I I understand the argument uh, that that I believe uh, Representative Casey's going to make, which is, you know, I'm I'm a firefighter, so... You know, potentially there's a big endorsement there from the, you know, the, the Association of Firefighters. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I, he's, I would call him probably moderate to conservative. And so there's this lane, you know, in the first district of, you know, trying to appeal to kind of the Blackstone Valley Democrats. Um, you know, quite frankly, John, it's trying to get John DePietro to vote for me. Uh, yeah. I recognize you're in the second district, but it is it is a little bit of that. And. Uh, I, I, again, I get the art for it. The thing for me is I just don't see how the voters of the first district are willing to support anybody who who's to the right of David Cicilline. Yeah. Uh, it seems really hard. But again, if you're a you know, if you're in a field, we're now at 13, 14 people, John, if you get mm. up even more. Um, really, I mean, anybody can find some level of support. Uh, and so I understand why he's doing it. It just, to me, when I look at the, the way that district works, you look about who's, who's leaving um, and you kind of say, boy, I just can't see the district, you know, uh, voting for somebody who's, who's pretty significantly more conservative, I think, than David Cicilline was. What about Gabe Ammo? this Pawtucket native who apparently just resigned from the Biden administration. Yeah, just quit his job. Uh, you know, and he's pretty high level up there. I mean, this is a guy who gets a little bit of face time with the president. And as you know, wow. you know, there aren't that many people. Uh, I don't think Gina Raimondo gets a lot of time no. with the president, to be honest. So uh, he, but he's quit his job. He's preparing. I mean, very clearly he's going to run for to announce uh, probably in the next week or two, I believe. You know, here's the challenge. He's a guy who no, nobody currently knows, nobody's ever heard of, but he gets got a good story. He kind of comes from that Gina Raimondo, Helena Folks world. So he should be able to raise a ton of money. Uh, I think he'll be, I don't know what he's doing in this kind of campaign. So the question just becomes, you know, can you really get out there, get your name out? I was talking to somebody uh, recently who, who worked uh, in the, in, congressman langevin's world so in the second district for a long time and they said to me you know when you're when you're running against when you're running for office if you're running against against an incumbent or if you're just running for an open seat and nobody you know you got to spend probably a hundred thousand dollars a week on television to to actually penetrate voters to actually Mm. you know remind people what your name is and that kind of thing and there's only a handful of candidates in this race big field 
But if you think about it, Aaron Regenberg, probably Sabina Matos. You know, there's this guy in, in Jamestown who kind of want, who wants to yes. run. Um, and, and probably Gabe Amo. There, there are just, just are not that many people who have the ability to go out there and raise, you know, $650,000, $700,000 to really make a go of this. I think Amo is one of those people, which means I would say I would kind of elevate him to the top tier of candidates. Tim McGowan, I think this is the most diverse I, I know it is group we've ever had seek a congressional seat. And what a difference from think of the Democrats we just saw run for the CD2 seat yes. compared to the CD1 seat. I mean, you know, there's diversity in a lot of different ways. One, it's going to be, you know, you're going to have the most people of color. You're going to have the most uh, female. You're also going to have the widest array of, of just political talent, right? There are going to be people in the right, who, uh, who quite frankly don't belong in it, right? Who aren't going to be able to, you know, put together a statewide or a half statewide campaign. Uh, but everybody's looking at this and they're saying, all you need is 500, uh, you know, 500 votes to get on the ballot. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but like if you go to Foxwoods or uh, probably do this at Bally's too, and you play poker and you sit down at the table and you've got your hundred bucks that you're ready to spend. And then you look around and, uh, you know, everybody else originally bought in for the same amount of money, but somebody's got $800 and somebody's yeah. got $1,500. I think that's the challenge that some of these, uh, that, that some of these candidates are going to have. But nothing is going to talk them out of it when you don't have the Speaker of the House really interested in interfering with it. Uh, I don't think you're going to have the governor, you know, kind of running around telling people to get out. I think you're going to just continue to potentially see this field, uh, you know, grow or at least stay, you know, the similar size because it's easy to get on the ballot and, uh, and no one has a real reason to, to, to go away. Dean McGowan, two more quick questions. One your colleague, uh, Amanda Milkovitz, again, another follow-up story where this all this going on with Mike Mata, Dr. Mata, and Skyline, now them claiming Providence owes them that they overpaid on the rent. There's a story on that in, in the Boston Globe. I'm also just curious uh, your thoughts on, since we're talking about first 100 days, there's the piece on Brett Smiley. What, do you, what about Governor McKee for his first 100 days? Yeah, well, John after when I get off the phone, I'm heading down to Newport and, uh, and you know, going to listen to Governor McKee. Great, his, with his education know, role. With his big education plan. You know, look, I, I don't think he's had as good of a first 100 days as, as, as Brett Smiley. I think Brett Smiley's, you know, kind of elevated himself and is, you know, winning support from even people that don't necessarily traditionally like Democrats. Uh, whereas Governor McKee, I think, has taken this approach of kind of running from the media. He doesn't do a lot of uh, you know, press conferences where you can ask him anything. By the way, separate note, kudos yesterday to Senator Whitehouse, who, uh, you know, isn't always the most interesting guy in the world, but has an open press, you know, invites the press over, will take any question, is, is you know, riffing about the Supreme Court and about TikTok, mm. all these other things. That's the kind of thing that these pol- that the, the politicians who are comfortable in their own skin do. Yep. Um, right. And you're what you're not seeing is that, you know, is that from Governor McKay? I'm really curious to see what this education plan, um, you know, is going to look like, but I'm not particularly confident in it. It sounds like it's after school programming, which is good, but is not going to necessarily move the needle to, you know, to catch, which is what his own goal is. And, and finally, Demacon, I'm just question, uh, curious. And again, it's more of a shop thing, but you Mayor Smiley agreed to sit down with the 100 days. I, I'm going to maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to assume Governor McKee would not grant that for 
either yourself or Ed Fitzpatrick. Let's put it like this. Uh, All right. It seems like the rest of the let's. It seems like the rest of the press has gotten this education plan, and nobody's nobody's bothered to tell the Boston Globe about it or <laughs> or Channel Twelve, I should say. Yeah. Wow. Well, hey, we know where that comes from, and it's good good reporting. And a lot of these these situations, he's found himself in, whether it's the email or he still hasn't answered questions about the whole situation with the hospital in Pawtucket. Um, it doesn't mean they're going away. It just means he's just kind of, you know, ducking. It's like That's right. you owe a homework assignment and the teacher's out. It doesn't mean it's not due. It just means the teacher's just out there to collect it. Folks, you hear me mention it. It's roadmap. It arrives each day. And especially lately now leading up some great pieces uh, as we're getting close to the Boston Marathon. It's a fantastic piece about, I, I didn't even know that story of the woman that had been a suspect 12-hour yes. suspect of the marathon. Um, that, the Bruins are the best team in hockey, and the NBA playoffs are coming up with the Celtics. And folks, uh, Dan McGowan, if you'd be so uh, kind to offer to anyone who's listening, folks, you can start getting Roadmap right into your inbox on weekdays. Yeah, John, there is no off-season for Roadmap because no. <laughs> we've got plenty of things to write about. It's all free. It goes in your inbox every single morning. All you have to do is send me a blank email, rinews at globe.com. I'll know what it is, rinews at globe.com, and I'll sign up. You'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan. Dan McGowan, great job as always. We're on Baby Watch, and we'll talk to you again. Talk to you. This portion of the John DePietro Show, it's brought to you by Lawn Doctor, your best lawn ever guaranteed. And I can tell you with my own experience what a fantastic job they did and have done with my lawn. The easiest thing to do is log on to their website. It's LawnDoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Put in your zip code, your best lawn ever guaranteed it's lawn doctor of rhode island you can call them 401-392-1025 but log onto their website lawn doctor.com